So I dedicate the show today to my cousin, Jonathan Tanko, and my uncle, Percival, a.k.a. Uncle Pie. No, you're looking down. Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. All right. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. And as always, I have my lovely co-host with me, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show. Hey, everyone. And uh, before we officially begin, I had to share this with everyone. But as of today, September 24th, 2019, at the time of this recording, our podcast show just hit over 2000 plays. Yeah. And so that is a celebration in itself. We just celebrated our three month anniversary since this podcast has started just two days ago. And so it's just really cool to see how much this community has grown and uh, how many people have been reaching out to us. Nani, I'd love for you to kind of just share a little bit about how Instagram has been going. I know we've had uh, Nani started to manage the Instagram account recently, and I know we've been getting a lot of people reaching out to us through there, right? Yeah, yeah. It's I think I've been managing the account since Friday, so like five days or something. And already we've got a lot of interaction going. I'm just trying to engage with people. And yeah, we've had a lot of people reach out and tell us what the show has meant to them so far in replies to our Instagram stories. We've gotten some people to sign up to do their own interviews on the show. And yeah, we're just trying to engage. Yeah. And I think in the last week or so, we had increased by, I think, 200, maybe like 100 to almost 200 new followers on Instagram and uh, Facebook collectively. So all thanks to just all of you. We just want to keep it going and keep, keep the community growing and just normalizing our stories and the conversations that we have and the stories we have to share and everything. So speaking of which, we are super excited, as we always are on the show, because every time we have another show, it means we have another amazing woman to interview. And so everyone, I want to introduce you to Gina Marico Rosales. She's the founder of Make It Marico Events, co-founder of Undiscovered SF, and founder of Entrepreneurs Summit. Also, She's a dancer, Bay Area born and raised, and an entrepreneur. Gina, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. It's so great to have you. I was totally insta-stalking you before our show had started. And I just have to say, first and foremost, how much I admire you and uh, can see that you are such a mover and a shaker over there in the Bay Area. Oh my gosh, that's very kind. I think uh, I was telling Nani, I mean, of of the many things I'm going to do when I when I visit the Bay Area, because I haven't visited yet, like ever, I think I think when I was a baby, I was there. But like in my adult life, I've never visited. But I think one Mm. of the things that I would love to do is to attend one of the amazing events that you're throwing over there. So that would be really cool. And to meet you in person as well. 
I would love for you to come. I'm, I want everyone to come to the Bay and come visit us and we'll take you to whatever is happening. Enough of us are event planners that there's always something happening. So <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> I love it. Is there a certain time of the year where it's best to hold events or is it kind of like all year round over there in the Bay Area? I mean, the beautiful thing is like the weather is kind of just always kind of the same. So <laughs> event mm -hmm. season in San Francisco is like March through October with actually September, October is the busiest because that's actually when we get our quote unquote summer. So like right now we're like in San Francisco summer. Awesome. Yeah. Over here in Virginia Beach, it's fall season and it now feels like what I call San Diego weather, where it's like mid seventies, like always sunny, a little hint of breeze. And it's like, it's the time of the year that I've been looking forward to because here you experience all four seasons. Mm -hmm. Like you really, you really do. <laughs> and so I've, I'm excited to embrace this, this season of fall. Cause it feels, it reminds me a lot of uh, SoCal. But I'd love for you, Gina, to share, how did you hear about the Filipino American Woman Project? And more importantly, why did you choose to be on and share your story with us today? Yeah, I was connected with you guys through Jenna Lynn from New York. She does all this amazing work and has come and was a speaker at Entrepreneurs Summit last year. So that's how I got connected to her through other PNIs in our network. And she's also coming back to the summit this year from New York. So I'm so excited, but she's the one who introduced us. And I'm so glad. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have to, I have to give a shout out to her, to JL. She, her show, <laughs> her episode since it came out has had over 200 plays. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah. She is a woman to be reckoned with. She is amazing. And I remember meeting her in person for the first time when I went to support my sister who did raise Panay there over there in uh, New York. And there was, she has this kind of aura about her that you just mm -hmm. want to kind of just gravitate toward her and just listen to anything that comes out of her mouth. Yes. <laughs> but she's awesome. We love her. And we were so grateful to have her on the show. And we, I think we got a lot of feedback from our community, uh, for, just from her episode alone. So shout yeah, out to you, awesome. JL. Yes. Yeah, she's super awesome. Shout out to her. And we're so glad that uh, she thought of you to be on the show because I think by association, you must also be awesome. <laughs> we're all freaking awesome. Penis are awesome. Yes, exactly. I think there was, there's this line that Lizzo says in one of her songs. Okay, <laughs> it goes, yes, let's go. It, it, I'm not going to sing it, but it goes something like, when my light shines, everyone else's light shines brighter, something mm. like that. And I'm like, yes, like exactly. <laughs> and it's like when one of us shines, we all shine. And I just, I just think it's so beautiful that we're in this. I don't know if it's just me, but I think we're in this generation uh, today where it's all about women and empowering women. And yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. Very cool. much so. We're like learning to get rid of those like old ways of thinking that like those other beautiful sisters over there are our enemy. And we're like finally starting to like see each other as allies. It's so beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And I thought about another another lyric from Taylor Swift <laughs> from, from um, one of her, yes, one of her all latest the songs. songs. Yes, all the songs. But the one called You Need to Calm Down. And there's a line mm. in there that says, We've seen you over there on the internet comparing all the girls who are killing it, but we figured it, we figured you out. We all have crowns. You need to calm down. And <sighs> I was just like, yes, so true. <laughs> we all we all have crowns. Anyway, that's like the non-caffeine talking. <laughs> I probably need caffeine right now. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to get to the next part. <laughs>
And so I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about your family background and why you identify as a Filipino American woman. Totally. So I'm actually Filipino and Japanese. I'm a quarter Japanese and three quarters Filipino. So my mom was born in the Philippines, born in Manila, is 100%. And then my dad is actually half and half. He was born in Japan. And my grandmother, my Japanese grandmother married a Filipino army man, actually, like, wow, during World War Two. So actually, th there's not a lot of Filipino Japanese people my age, because of all of the stigma around World War Two, kind mm. of race race relations. So but it's really cool because my dad's family, they speak both Tagalog and Japanese. So all of like Tagalog and Filipino culture was always very prominent in my life from, from the get-go. Um, I think I was, you know, I'm second generation in America. And so my, my family tried to teach me Tagalog and Japanese, but then of course got nervous because they thought I was going to develop an accent and they didn't want to like what they thought was going to hinder my education or whatever. So I actually don't speak Tagalog at all, hmm. but I've been surrounded by Filipino culture for my entire life. So many aunties, so many uncles, all of the food. Food was always a huge part of our lives. Grew up eating, you know, adobo and bungos. Like that's actually my favorite Filipino food is like fried bungos. And also grew up Catholic, which is hella Filipino. <laughs> yeah. So always surrounded by culture. And you know, I went to Berkeley and was a part of PCN and stuff like that, but not until I graduated and I started my own event planning company and started producing Undiscovered SF, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure, is when I really started like really rerouting in Filipino culture again and and claiming that and having pride in that and now like building a lot around the Filipino cultural district here in San Francisco. Mm, that's awesome. Did you ever feel like you had to find a balance with the different cultures that you have? So the Filipino culture, the Japanese culture, and the American culture? I feel like I've always been searching for like, yeah, I guess you could call it a balance of or just identity. Mm -hmm. And I think like, so I forgot who it is. And I need to figure this out because this idea is genius. The ident idea of like an identity sandwich and like at any time in your life, you're going to have a different one. And mm. you're constantly figuring that out, like where you're at. And in my earlier, I always kind of like rebelled against my Japanese side because no one could ever say my name right. Like Mariko, mm -hmm. all the like, you know, white people would say like Mariko and like, and I would hate it so much. And then again, like when I went to college, I started embracing that again and basically being like, screw you, this is my name. Mm -hmm. And same when I started my company was like, okay, what am I going to call it? I don't want it to be called Gina Rosales events. So boring. And so I basically decided to be like, well, fuck it. Like my name is Mariko. Let me just claim it and I'll teach people how to say it right. Yes. And it. so now it's like Mariko is like everywhere and people are learning and I'll correct them. I definitely correct them. But yeah, I've always kind of had this balance between Japanese and Filipino culture and have always kind of equally embraced both. No, I think that's really awesome. Had you ever felt like anyone had mistaken your ethnicity? Oh, always. Like, <laughs> I mean, like as as Asian women in general that look a little ethnic or whatever mm -hmm. other people would call it, people are always just trying to figure us out. So I'm constantly being asked, like, what are you? What are you? Yeah. And then when I'm feeling snarky, I'll just be like, I'm American or like, it doesn't matter. Or, you know, but yeah, I know. I totally get it. 
people always asking and then I tell them like I'm Filipino and Japanese and then they're like, oh, that's so cool. But I don't know. I don't know why that is so cool. But, <laughs> you know, I so in back then in my my old like circle of friends in college, I hung out with a lot of Filipinos and there was like a good subgroup of them that were really into the Japanese culture. And so, in fact, my best friend is Filipino. He's full Filipino, but he actively went since high school. He was taking Japanese classes. And then in college, he went to study abroad in Japan for a year. And then now he's married to a Japanese man. And he mm. speaks, yeah, speaks fluent Japanese works for a Japanese company. And wow. you wouldn't you wouldn't think he's Filipino, like you, you would look at him mm. and you would think that because he, he likes to he likes the Japanese hairstyle also. Yeah. Um, and, and the majority of he's his for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the majority of his friends are, are Japanese. And so it's uh, actually I, I saw that transform throughout the years, like back then like we were from like a group of ma mainly like Filipinos like if we hung around and then eventually he made his way to like all <laughs> all Japanese people I need to ask him if he ever gets mistaken for his ethnicity but I, I wouldn't be surprised if people thought he was he just blends in at ja as Japanese because he speaks so fluent in it um, mm -hmm. and plus he's he's married to one so it's like so yeah he just kind of blends right in he also has like pale skin too so I guess that just like really helps and works in his favor where mm. like for me, I get mistaken for a lot of things also, depending on where I'm at. When I lived in SoCal, people thought I was like part Hispanic or if I was more North, people thought I was like Hawaiian or, or like, like some Islander kind of girl. But the ones who would, the ones who would like guess that I was Filipino, it, it was usually, it was usually a guy that'd be like, are you Filipino? I was like, yeah. And he'd be like, oh, my ex was Filipino. You know, <laughs> he'd say something like that. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I guess there's this, that, those type of groups of people also who like aspire to be with a, a Filipina. But anyway, I mean, very why interesting. wouldn't you? They want to be because we're, we're hella cool. <laughs> yes, yes, we, 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 we are. We are. I, I completely agree with you. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know sometimes when I ask this question, it could be a sensitive topic for people because sometimes when people say like, what are you or where are you from? I know when we had when we had JL on, mm -hmm. she she had, I think the majority of our conversation was about answering that question and unpacking mm -hmm. like why. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. So it was really insightful and I'm always open to like having that conversation because we all interpret it and we all respond to it differently. All right, Jen Amos here, jumping into the middle of our show, as I always do, to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know, at the end of every episode, I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, Finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, 
Consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the Philam, short for Filipino-American-woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thephilamwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. Anyway, moving on to the next part for uh, Gina, for people who are getting to know you for the first time, and you already hinted a bit at this with your event planning and undiscovered SF. We'd love to, if you can share with us like a snapshot of your life today, particularly what keeps you busy and most excited about life nowadays, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, totally. And I want to note for the podcast too, that I was given the option to get the questions ahead of time and I opted out. So this is all, this Wrong. is real, this is real people, this is Unheard. live, super live. So what's happening now? There's a lot of exciting things happening now. I'm really excited about what's going on right now. So making Mariko events is like my main, my main jam right now. That's like my company, I started it four years ago and we're really in like scale mode right now, mm. getting a lot of clients, I'm a lot that I can't handle just on my own. And so I have a team and we're expanding and like taking on all kinds of events now from, I started out as a wedding planner just cause that's normally how people like get into the event industry. Mm-hmm. And now we're expanding and doing a ton of corporate events, a lot of festivals actually, street festivals and a ton of nonprofit events. I used to work in the nonprofit sector. So that's like really close to my heart still. So I love working with nonprofits and helping them produce their big fundraisers. And then, mm-hmm. so of course, along with Make It Mariko are some of our biggest events that we're co-founders or founders of. So the biggest one is Undiscovered SF, which we talked about is the Filipino night market here in Soma, Filipinas, which is the Filipino cultural district in San Francisco. It's actually state mandated. It's one of the few uh, cultural districts that are mandated and listed and recognized by the state of California, as well as San Francisco as a city. And so Undiscovered is this free monthly night market where we just celebrate Filipino-American culture. And it's produced by a bunch of like younger generation folks like me who want to showcase like the beauty of being Filipino-American and how we can connect to our culture and our roots, but then also celebrate where we came from, which for a lot of us is hip hop culture. Hmm. And so it's like, how do we bridge those and bring all of these people together? So Undiscovered definitely takes a ton of my time. We just actually finished our third one of the year last Saturday. So we're just kind of still resting and debriefing from that and getting ready to plan October. Um, And then the other event, the bigger one that's coming up is Entrepreneur Summit. So an entrepreneur is a Pinai entrepreneur and founded this summit last year kind of because of the work we are doing with Undiscovered and finding all these beautiful Pinai business owners that I never knew existed. And when I started my business, like I only knew like two Pinai entrepreneurs, like two or three maybe. And even at the beginning, only one that I could look up to. And that was really scary being in the business industry. Like I look young, I'm short, Mm -hmm. I'm Asian, I'm brown. And so all of those things I felt like were, you know, counted as strikes against me in terms of people believing me or trusting me. And so Entrepreneurs is all about building sisterhood in the hustle and showing this younger generation, like, look at all these badass pinais, like, running their own businesses. Like, you could do it, too. Yeah, That's kind no. of me in a nutshell right now, all of the big things. And, of course, we're always, like, 
pitching other events and stuff to to plan. I want to give you kudos for Undiscovered. I haven't been to an Entrepreneur Summit yet or any of their events, but the Undiscovered ones I have. And Jen, since you haven't been to one, it's it's a big deal, basically, for San Francisco. Oh, and yeah, and I mean, even as just a guest, you recognize that. And when I'm there at those events, it's kind of like, I don't want to leave it's really nice to be able to have something like that to look forward to at least once a month if you don't do anything else in the community because it's it's that one chance to kind of just get together, see what's going on, have a good time. And so we definitely need to get Jen out here for one of those yes. uh, in the near future. <laughs> but yeah, I just want to say that I appreciate you for founding that and for continuing to put so much effort into it because the guests, or at least I as a guest, can really tell how much work you put into that. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's so kind. Yeah. I I just love that they have a mandated place for a Filipino district in the Bay Area. I've yeah, I I didn't know that either. (laughs) So it's like it's crazy. And I mean it's not like it just came about and it happened. It happened because activists in San Francisco have been pushing for it for many, many, many years. And we are just the newer generation that's kind of taking up arms to help build it. But yeah, people have been working for a long time to make that happen. And a lot of folks don't know that Soma, the district, it's called South of Market in San Francisco, is actually used to have over like 5,000 Filipino families. So it was a huge Mm -hmm. Filipino district. And then a lot of things happened where we actually got kicked out of our original Manila town in the city and took up space in Soma. And then now that Soma is being kind of gentrified, basically it was activists who were like, hell no, you're not taking our space away again. And mm. we're, we're going to demand that you protect us being and staying in this space. So it was like a lot of activist community that really fought for that and made it happen And now I think my generation of folks with Undiscovered and other, all these other amazing orgs putting in work in SOMA are trying to root in deep and really just build out like what could be Chinatown for Filipino community. Yeah. Yeah, And I, I love the idea of Undiscovered SF. I know when I was living in SoCal in San Diego, we had Filipino festivals, but they would usually be once a year. And we had like, we had different types. So especially in October for Filipino American History Month. But yeah, Yeah. it would just be once a year. And so to hear that there's something for the Filipino community once a month is like a dream to me. (laughs) Just to know that there's something like that out there and something I could look forward to when I come visit. Awesome. And I hope that the goal is that we're going to build a commercial corridor, which is basically like a packed, dense area, like one or two or three or four block area where that's filled with Filipino businesses. Mm. And so the idea is like, like Chinatown, you could come any day and experience that culture. So once a month is beautiful, but our goal is like every day, every week. What if we have a night market every Friday? That would be beautiful. Oh man, that'd be super awesome. Maybe in my future life, I'll live there for some time to see that happen. Yes. Yeah, my my husband and I aren't tied down to living anywhere. And our, our dream is to like 
I mean, we work from home already. We work remotely, but like to plant our roots somewhere, we haven't figured that out yet. I kind of imagine we'll we'll like find a couple places, like find some places, live there for a couple years, and then go somewhere else. But ever since I met Nani and everyone who's oh. who's been on the show, it's been really. I've been. I feel like there's a calling for me to to come visit yes, uh, the Bay Area. Bay. I actually do have relatives up there too that I haven't spoken to in a while. So if any of them are listening to this, just can't you uh, stay on the couch? Can't you stay on the couch? Yeah. 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 And I also, Uh I also want to add Gina, I can completely relate to you in terms of like when you started out in business and how uh, lonely it may have felt without having any Filipina role models. When I started in business in my young twenties, I really did it out of necessity. Like I was fired from four jobs consecutively and Mm. I got, yeah, I got into sales and then I got into, I became a business owner for about five years. And then I met my husband and and now we, we run a business together. But in the initial stages of just putting myself out there, I remember how insecure I felt too. I mean, I'm dark skinned. I'm short. Like I go to these networking events trying to wear three, four inch heels just so I can be eye level mm. with the people that I was talking to. And come to find years later, later I have this hip problem because of because I was wearing heels. And so now oh I'm like- Oh my gosh. Yeah. So now I'm like, fuck heels. And and I wear flats like almost all the time now. And I'm 31, you know, I'm not, I'm not even like that old, but I had to go through like physical therapy to like deal with like these issues that I had just trying to be at the same level as other people that are trying to make it out there. And yeah, and people constantly thinking like, oh, do I look too young? Do I look inexperienced? Do I blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's only really in the recent years, especially when I started this project, the Filipino American Woman Project, when kind of similar to you, where I, I started running into other Filipino business owners, business owners. And one of my really good friends is also, a, she's a Filipino business owner in San Diego. And now that I see more of it, it's like, man, like, Oh, I like if had I known this, like had I known this like years ago, man, like it, it was hard. It was hard back then, kind of feeling like I was living this uphill battle. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like I have this kind of global community knowing that there's so many of us that are like doing this everyday hustle and making it happen and have have the same struggles as I do. Uh, and just knowing that I'm not alone and a lot of my problems aren't unique. Like a lot of, a lot of other um, entrepreneurs, as you describe them, um, have similar issues. And it just makes me feel, it makes me feel normal now. And it makes me feel like, cool, like I, I can do this because I know so many other people are doing this and I wish I had it sooner. I would have uh, definitely had yeah. dealt with traumas in a different way, <laughs> dramas yeah. and, and issues and everything, but Hey, better late than never. Right. But that's okay because we always create what we needed when we were younger. And even though it's, I'm saying like, it was only four years ago that I started my business, we always create what we needed and then we're creating it for the next generation. So it's almost like perfect that it works out that way because we've been mm-hmm. through it. So we know what we needed and we know how to design it for others. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish it wasn't so painful. <laughs> Yes, that's real. That's real. That's real. I just, I just wish that, I mean, don't be wrong. I feel like it's made me a more like empathetic and understanding person, but man, like I still have, I still have triggers that, that remind me of times where like I would get screwed over or like people would take advantage of me or whatever that I was so naive um, early on, but yeah, a lot wiser now. And just, just super grateful to be in a place where like, where I feel just more, I feel like I have a stronger foundation 
and and to and to be surrounded by other entrepreneurs now i think i can appreciate them that much more maybe i wouldn't have appreciated them as much back then who knows but anyway just really glad to be around yeah. where i am today and i'm just focused on moving forward now <laughs> and also jen i was just going to put in that hopefully the individual both the individual and the collaborative work that we're doing now is going to help the generations after us not feel that way, that hopefully it will normalize this process for them so that they can bypass all of this hard work that we're doing. Yeah, totally. I, I face all new issues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> also true. <laughs> I, I second that. I was totally going to like say that. I second that. I want, I hope that the future generation can complain about different issues. <laughs> it's right. Like so awesome. Love it. Love it. I think there's just like when it comes to entrepreneurism and like being an entrepreneur and one of the most beautiful things that's coming out of like building this community and seeing the community grow even outside of us. There's so many Pinayas in all areas of this world right now that are building around Pinayism and around like this kind of sisterhood. And I feel like we're learning how to boss and how to just be ourselves because, and this is like all related to like decolonizing work too, because we've grown up in a world that's taught us that like, oh, if you want to be in business, you have to look like this, which mm -hmm. is like tall and white and like dressed like a certain way. And like, we're trying so hard to like fit into that. But I think in building communities like ours, we're learning how to do business our own way. And that we don't need to like be like that. I can come into a pitch meeting as with flats on and, <laughs> you know, wearing jeans and a blazer and red lipstick and I'm fine. That's yeah. been like the biggest lesson for me in the past four years is that like I'm good and I'm going to show up as myself to every meeting and, and that's fine. And it's great, actually. <laughs> yes. It's not just fine. It's great. <laughs> Yes, I love it. I love that you said that. I went to a conference with my husband like two weeks ago in DC, and it was like the first time where I decided to like dress up comfortably. Like I still looked good. I, I picked mm -hmm. some pretty good outfits, but I was wearing like these black tights that were really like leggings. Um, yes, leggings and, at the yeah. conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They like they like they're like professional looking leggings. You wouldn't know. <laughs> and then and then I had flats and I had like a loose top that was like French tucked in. And yes. I learned I learned the French tuck from from Queer Eye. Queer Eye. French French tuck is the shit. Like yeah, it's it is definitely critical. <laughs> it's so cool. I love it. It's my favorite thing now because then I don't have to like suck it in or anything when I when I eat. It's just, <laughs> okay. Someone just... has to teach me this. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So if you watch, if you look up Tan France from from Queer Eye, he's like people make fun of him because that's like his number one style. He tries to dress up all the people and in, in Queer Eye on. But yeah, it's called the French tuck. Just like Google it, and it's just it's just an easy like you just tuck in the front of your shirt and then you let the less the rest of the shirt be loose and it's so cool it's a really cool yeah style. no yeah. I've seen it it looks so cool but whenever I try to do it I mean I've never like watched a video or <laughs> been shown how to do it but if I just like <laughs> stick in my shirt and then it's supposed to look like effortless and cute oh, it, no. it, doesn't, it doesn't ever look that way <laughs> oh man yeah yeah you know it's I know I, I had to like try it a couple times like I tried it was funny because like I, I didn't decide to do the French tuck till like the day of the conference. I was like, I'm just gonna like tuck this in and see how it looks. I was like, and I was like, oh my God, 
I look good. Look at me. Look at me. I look fucking cute. Like I was just like I was walking around Life like checking changing. myself on there. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> so I wore it for this. I wore it again like the next day with like a different top, and I was like, I'm gonna do this all the time. And I have like a couple of conferences coming up, so I was like, I'm just gonna wear the same outfits again, French tucked. Who cares? <laughs> like, but no, it was it was just really cool to just show up comfortable for the like. And and I I I feel like in the past like I just. I didn't want to be comfortable. For some reason, I felt like I shouldn't feel comfortable. But this one, I was like, you know what? Like, fuck it. Like, I'm I'm going to be me and people are going to work with me whether they like, like if, if they like me, they'll work with me. And come to find like with my haircut and my side cuts and stuff, I got a lot of compliments for my hair. I was like, oh, thank you. And I was just tying it in a bun because I like I didn't wash my hair. So I was like, I'm just going to tie it in a bun. And people thought it looked really cool. So I was like, cool. Like, that's fine with me. Like people can like me for like, uh, despite people like me because I'm comfortable, like in my own skin and it really yeah. shows. So yeah. yeah, lesson of the day, just be you. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of lessons, uh, we are actually at now at my favorite part of every interview, which is really where we have a Filipino American woman share their favorite life lesson and story that supports that life lesson or that inspired that life lesson. And so Gina, today you wanted to share a, a phrase that's a phrase from your family that your family came up together. And so I'm going to try to pronounce it. And if I butcher it, feel free to correct yep. me. Yep. So here we go. <laughs> Here we go. So it's to the dit, aka to the death. And it means yeah. to live every day fully until the day you die and create the life that you want to live. Got yes. it? Cool, it's basically, cool. yeah, basically to the death if you say it in a Filipino accent. <laughs> to the dit. To the dit. Mm, yes. Okay. Yeah. No, you say it better. <laughs> you say it better. <laughs> But yeah, I I think it's it's one of the first times or maybe second times where we had a guest on our show share a phrase that's not necessarily in English or in, in Filipino. And mm. I also noticed in your Instagram photos that you have it tatted on your arm. And yes. so I'd, I'd love for you to share the story. I think it's a very powerful story uh, behind this phrase and why it means so much to you. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, it's actually started with a joke with my one of my Filipino uncles, as does everything. I feel like. <laughs> but one of my uncles, when we were just learning how to drink, um, my uncles, we grew up watching them drink tequila, take shots, stuff like that. So when we finally, all the cousins became of age, they started teaching us how to take shots and how to, how to drink and drink properly. So when we would take shots, my uncle would joke. And instead of just saying cheers or kampai or something like that, he would go, do da dit. And then we were just like, yeah, uncle, what does that mean? He's like, to the death, we drink. Mm. We drink to the death. <laughs> and it was just like a joke, like, oh, shit. Okay, it, this is how it's going to go down. So then my family, just at every party, we even all my aunties, we'd get down and we would, we would take shots to the dip. But then a little bit later after that, <clears throat> this was about, what is it now, 18? So like eight years ago, my cousin, my first cousin who I grew up with, he was only three months younger than me. And we literally like just grew up together here and kind of lived similar lives. He actually died by suicide. And wow. it wasn't the first attempt. He actually attempted suicide when I was in high school. And when I found out from my parents, uh, they actually told us that we were not allowed to talk about it and that we should never mention it to him ever. And so I was in high school at the time. I didn't know what to do. And so I just listened to them because they were like, it could really impact him and hurt him. And in the end, now mm -hmm. being older, I see what it is. And it was shame. 
And so they were literally teaching us how to feel ashamed and how to feel ashamed for someone else and how to keep that shame away from the community because we were ashamed of it. And that stuck with me. And obviously it stuck with him because 10 years later, he actually did die by suicide. And of course, like as a family that has gone through that, you think about like, well, what the fuck could we have done to like help? And then so this like at his funeral, of course, we're drinking that whole like week that we're planning his funeral. And this phrase just took on a whole different meaning because now here is somebody in our family who is literally now gone be because of whatever reason that maybe we could have had a role in or maybe we couldn't. And mm. so that phrase just really became something really deep. And over time, as we started to heal as a family and grow in our communication skills and losing that shame, it became more of like a live your life and like, let's be open, let's communicate, let's live, live every day like it could be our last. Because for my cousin, Jonathan, literally, it was just overnight, like in one instance, and then he was gone. And so it's this huge reminder. And I mean, I guess it's crazy. It's like two years later, the uncle who came out with that also died by leukemia. And so it was just a lot, a lot of things like in a short amount of time that was like teaching us the importance of every single day and how we, how do we live our lives every single day? Mm. So it's like, yeah, it's like crazy and it's like sad, but then at the same time, it's, it was like the biggest life lesson that helps me drive every single decision that I make. Just thinking about, I always say, if I were to die tomorrow, would I be proud of the obituary that's read at my funeral? Would I be proud of the life I lived? And that's kind of my North Star and figuring out which direction I want to go. Wow. I'm speechless. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm moved by your story. I'm moved by your story. And I, I want to thank you for sharing that and, and, and honoring your family. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, uh, it's just everyone, every Filipino and Asian family understands this concept of shame. We mm-hmm. literally grew up with it and having conversations, open conversations like this and talking openly about difficult topics like suicide is really critical and is what's going to help us like, you know, kind of just decolonize that shame and like not pass that shame off to the next generation. Yeah, no, definitely. And I like how you say decolonize shame. I don't, I've never had anyone describe it in that way. And I think that's exactly what we need to do is not just see this as a shame from an individual person's perspective, but as a culture that we need to unpack and overcome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I can add another example to that from my family. Just in 2017, we lost my my uncle, my dad's middle brother. And to this day, we, I mean, we didn't get like an autopsy or anything. Like we're not entirely clear on what the, what the cause of death was, but we do know we found uh, 11 pill bottles next to his bed or next to where mm-hmm. he fell and died. And the fact that my family, I mean, I'm not judging my family for this, but the fact that they didn't even want to get, didn't even bother to get an autopsy <laughs> is kind mm. of like shame at its prime and how, they didn't like, kind of know. how you said, yeah, yeah like they didn't the, we know. just don't want to even know. <laughs> Whereas I'm sitting here like, why would we not do that? Like, don't we want to know? But the kind of sad answer that I got through the reaction of my family was no. 
And kind of what you said about keeping that shame out of both the family and the community is that's very real. It's very real. But I, I love that you were able to kind of take that saying and repurpose it after that happened in your family and give it new meaning and let it motivate you and inspire you to do good for yourself other instead of letting it make you sad and reminding you of what happened to your cousin. So yeah, yeah totally. I like that. That's a really good one. And I like how simple it is too, because it doesn't need a lot of explanation. It just, it is what it is. It's funny because a lot of people, when I tell them what it stands for, I tell them it stands for like to the death. They look at me like I'm like in the, in the fucking mafia or something. <laughs> They're like, right. They always want to overcomplicate it. Right. <laughs> They're like, that's hella, that's hardcore. And like, well, not really, but <laughs> there is, if you want to think so. <laughs> I actually did a lightning talk at Entrepreneur Summit last year, and it was my first time telling this story, actually. is like the origin story of, of why I started Make It Monaco. And it was hard. It was like really hard to share that story on like a, on a mm. stage in front of people. But I really love what about the story, too, is like it's also rooted in sisterhood because my cousin, Junaline, she actually did the florals at my cousin Jonathan's funeral. And she just did it because she's super creative and she wanted to contribute to the funeral and was like, I'm going to do this. I, I could figure it out. And then what ended up happening was that she found her calling and she opened a floral design company. Wow. And wow. Uh, she dedicates her whole company to, to Jonathan. And same with Make It Mariko. Like I started it because I wanted to, help create celebrations of just life for communities and people because mm -hmm. of the inspiration that I got from, from his death. And so one of the things I always share with people is that like our trauma and our death, they define us. Yes. But it's like what we do with it and how we use it as motivation to like make the world better can be the most powerful motivator. Mm. And like last week, actually, for me, was one of my hardest weeks that I've had in my entrepreneurial journey. And constantly when I was feeling like I'm about to have an anxiety attack or I can't do this or I want to quit, I just kept thinking about, about Jonathan and about my uncle. And I literally just like kept praying to them to be like, give me strength, like help me get through this. Like, I know you're, you're going to help me. So there's so much that we can, we can turn like our trauma into like beauty. Yeah. Well said. Well said. And then, I love and it. Then we, and then we celebrate their lives and just celebrate our lives that we still have going. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the only way you can do it. Make a celebration. And that celebration is so much more meaningful because you know where it's coming from. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Well, Gina, I want to thank you so much for sharing this time with us today, sharing a bit of uh, your background and your life today and uh, your life lesson. It's very impactful and there's a lot of meaning behind it. And we appreciate you sharing that. And also talking about the topic of suicide. Like I know it's very common in our community. I had thought about it a lot, especially since I moved to the East Coast in the last year. And mm. I had 
I've mentioned this in the last episode, like I've called the suicide hotline. I've, I've texted the crisis text line. I even wrote a post-it for myself today because I, I had this moment of weakness. And sometimes I, the thought of suicide is comforting for me. I don't, I've mm. never done anything. I've never attempted. I've, mm. I went to seek out therapy. And right now I take CBD oil, which is a miracle worker, yes. by the way. But, um, <laughs> but today... But today I did not take it and I realized how much I need it. But anyway, I wrote down this phrase for myself today because I, I, I always think of how the thought of suicide is comforting. So I wrote this out to myself and I, I said, so this is what the other side of death looks like. And the reason why I wrote it that way is because I thought, OK, if I if I pretended to attempt suicide, like but I was given life again, like the fact that I thought about it and I'm still alive means mm. that I'm able to live another day, another moment. And so this mm. is what the other side of death looks like. And so that's that's kind of something I wanted to just add to the conversation, because you know, it's a common thing that we all go through and, and it is worth discussing and we should discuss it because it's it would it would only help our own healing and other people's healing as well. And so I want to thank you for sharing that. Well, Gina Marico Rosales, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you today. I enjoyed saying Marico, by the way. Um, <laughs> yes, and correctly. You said yes. it correctly. Yes, that is my Japanese roots. <laughs> I'm not Japanese, but I was born in Japan. Before we officially, officially wrap up, do you have any, any closing thoughts? I felt like we, we said a lot, but any, any other thoughts for our listeners before we go? I just want to say that I'm... I'm so happy and overjoyed to see our Pinai community just like growing exponentially and seeing everyone like step into this amazing power and creating businesses and podcasts and blogs and television shows and all these things that show us like being in our power and like, God damn, we are a force to mm. be reckoned with. Right. <laughs> yes. And if anyone is interested in learning more about Eugenia and the amazing work you're doing up there with Undiscovered SF and Entrepreneurs Summit, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Best way is to follow the Make It Marico Instagram or sign up for our newsletter on the makeitmarico.com website. And yeah, my beautiful team. Actually, some of my team members are listening live right now. I see you, Kat and Felicia. <laughs> Kat's <laughs> my marketing coordinator, so she will reshare all of the things. <laughs> yes, yes, totally, totally. Awesome. Well, it's been an absolute, like I said, I can't say it enough. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you, Gina. Uh, Nani, any, any final words you want to share? No, no, I'm good. Thank you for sharing, Gina, and thank you for doing the interview. I knew it was going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. 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 And to our listeners, if you did not get that information on how to get a hold of Gina, don't worry. That'll be in the show notes because I'm generous as always. We want to thank you all for listening. We hope the show had inspired you and impacted you in a positive way. With that said, we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.